I have enjoyed the past two weeks, probably the most out of the past two weeks that I've been here at Grace. And uh, the idea of being generous. Pastor talked about being generous uh, just two weeks ago, and we shared the vision of the church and where we believe we're going. And Jonathan shared last week about being generous in worship and, man, how it changes your life, how it changes um, the perspective that you see. And um, it's if you don't have the messages, you can look them up online. I, I encourage you. But as a church, how we uh, can be generous in all that we are. And uh, I know some of you weren't here on Generous uh, or on Vision Sunday, but don't worry, we know we spell generosity with a C and not an S. It's not a typo because we want to be generous in our city and we want to be generous in all that we do um, and, and giving of who we are. And, and this week I want to talk about the idea of being generous in hope. We want to be generous with our hope in, in all that we are. And, um, as I begin to look and begin to study, uh, and, and even in my own thinking, I so often get faith and hope kind of mushed together. They're the same thing, right? When they're not. They're two separate things, but they coincide together. You can't have one without the other. And um, it, faith, if, if you actually look up the definition, it's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Um, complete confidence. And I was thinking about this week and, and a great way to describe it, and hopefully I don't make a mess. Um, but faith. Faith is like the water that's in the pitcher. That's our faith. Ignore the pitcher. It's the water that's in the picture. That's what our faith is like. It's our complete confidence and trust. Hope is, the definition is, it's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So hope is the expectation. Faith is the trust. That, that it's going to happen. And, and the more I begin to think about it, it's, you, you know, hope is the bottle. Hope is the plastic. Hope is the vehicle in which our faith can come together as we begin to believe and trust. We have an expectation that's something going to happen. And, and the water that would be on the inside would be the trust that is going to take place. Does that make sense? You, you, you're tracking with me? Because if you think about it, faith without structure is just a mess. And it runs out. It, it's, you can't keep it with you. It, you can't control it. It's just there and it's gone and it evaporates. And, but when we have faith with hope, when we have the structure, then once again, we can provide the opportunity for it to grow. And not only for it to grow, but for us to be generous with it. Why? Because I can be generous in my hope. I can be generous with the expectation, with, with the desire for certain things to happen. That's why I, can, I, can, I have hope that you're going to be healed, and I have faith because I trust God that it's going to happen. So hope becomes the vehicle, and faith is what's inside of it, so then it becomes generous, so then I can pass it on. I'm not going to ask you to drink it because I got it out of the spigot, and the water here is gross. <laughs> But that's when we can begin to share it because we have the vehicle to share it because I can't share this. It's just a mess. But then I can share this. I can be generous with this. I can begin to pass it out. So we want to talk about being generous in our hope. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 4, uh, verses 17 and 18, and I believe 19. Nope, just 17 and 18 in the message. And, and Paul is writing here to the Romans and he, he's talking about Abraham. And it says, we call Abraham father, uh, not because he's uh, got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. 
Once again, so often, and, and the more I grow in my faith, I still think I have to have it all together when I come to God. You know, I, I've been doing this for a while now, but I, I sometimes forget that I can just come to God the way I am, with the angry feelings, with what's going on inside of me. I can bring all of my drunk to God even now. Like, that never changes. And it, it's... Um, once again, it's not getting God's attention by living like a saint, but it's simply coming to God and saying, here I am, I believe you for what you say. And it's amazing the change that begins to happen. And it says, isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. I absolutely love that this week. It said he was named a father before it ever happened. What's God speaking into your life? What's the words that God has spoken over your life? So often when our hope begins to diminish, we begin to falter in what we believe that God says. So what has he said in your life that he's spoken over it that you can take hold of? I mean, he said Abraham was going to be a father before it ever happened. Why? Because that's faith. That's, that's hope. That's colliding together. We have to remember that the promises of God do not return void. They're not a shot in the dark. So what has God spoken over your life? That thing that you've begun to push away. That thing that happened 20 years ago. What has God spoken over your life? Uh-huh. He said he, to do what only God could do. He said, raise the dead to life. With the word, make something out of nothing. Why? That's our God. Everything he does, he creates. Everything he speaks, he creates. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Deciding not to live only on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. I mean, I I love that. He didn't live on the basis of what he couldn't do, but he lived and he believed and trusted about what God was saying. His shortcomings, his issues were out the window. You know, so many times we sweat the small stuff because we know what's going on. We get so overwhelmed in life over the petty things that are simply distractions that at the end of the day, it's okay if it doesn't get done. But yet we begin to fill our lives with these things and we begin to push God out of the way. When God is saying, listen, trust me, do what I say, it's, I've spoken life over you, I'm going to do it, I'm going to fulfill it, I promise you it's happening, I just need you to trust me. Have hope, we need to be generous with our hope. You know, this week it's watching the news and I was... Particular, I, usually I follow the news daily just to see what's going on. And, but this week I, I just had to turn it off. You know, it, it's, it's one of those, it's yet another week and you see what's happening. And, you know, we saw what happened in Florida. Uh, we were talking about this morning how, you know, as a, as a church at Grace, we want to be secure and, and everything's safe and provide a safe environment. And so who would have thought you would arrive to a day where a church has to have a security team? You know, who would have thought that you, people can't even mourn a loss without it being completely blasted and being made political when we're, we're, we're bleeding at the seams? Um, so as a Christian, as someone who has faith and who as someone who has hope, how do you deal with this? Um, how do you, do we just simply go on and say, man, times are so bad. Let me take my grace and my love and my hope and I'm just going to put it in a box and keep it to my family and... 
and you know this is my wall, my barrier I'm going to build? Or how do I engage people? How do I still live this life? And that's what we want to talk about, being generous and hope. Because when, when hope begins to disappear or dissipate, our, our vision of God begins to diminish. Because we begin to doubt that God is who He says He is. I mean, when we see these images, when we see this taking place, God, how can this happen? How can this go on? And we begin to question God. And you know, a, a faith that can't be questioned is no faith at all. But when we begin to doubt the character of God, that's when we begin to run into trouble. Because we somehow believe that God isn't who He says He is. We somehow believe that God isn't our provider. We somehow begin to lose doubt in the goodness of God when that's not the case. That God is good and God is good all the time. And even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of so much that is going on, we can still find rest in that hiding place. But yet so often we begin to push back. We begin to, to once again, let our, or how we see God diminish because we begin to lose hope. Proverbs 13:12 in the NLT says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick." What does deferred mean? It means postponed. When things didn't happen on Mike's clock, when things didn't happen when I thought that they should happen. What what is going on? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. We always stop on the first part. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Well, yeah, I'm sick, but then on the flip side, a dream fulfilled. Man, that makes me want to pursue the dreams even more. Because if we only read half of the scripture, then we go into defensive mode and we don't ever want to be postponed. We want to believe for things that we can see in the now and things that I can control and things that's around me. But when God is speaking and God is calling us to step out in faith and God is calling us to go to greater things, we have to remember that a dream fulfilled is what a tree of life. Why? Because a tree of life is not just about itself, but it changes the environment that it's around. So the dreams that God is speaking into your life are not just about you, but they're about your family, they're about your friends, they're about everywhere where you step foot. Why? Because we're called to be generous in our life and generous with our hope. If we're not careful, too many times we start dealing with the issues rather than dealing with the cause. It's, it's like being sick, you know, how often does the medicine actually deal with being sick? It more so deals with the symptoms. You know, it's more so the runny nose that we're trying to fix when there's a sickness that's on something going on, on the inside, right? We deal with the symptoms rather than the root cause. So if you're lacking in hope and if you're doubting God, what what is the cause? Not the symptoms. Because we get so, man, why am I so fearful? I'm dealing with fear. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with failure. Why am I always frustrated? Why, why yeah, man, I'm, I'm tired in life. I'm not getting rest. What is going on? It's just because I work too much. No, there's a, deeper, there's a deeper something going on in our lives that begins to diminish our hope. So we have to move past the place and we have to ask honest questions so we can begin to deal with the issue and not just the symptoms. We're going to go to Romans 8 now. We can go actually from 18 to 29 uh, or 28. We're going to read it in the message. 
And once again, this is Paul writing. This is just four chapters further than where we were. And, and I, I believe we can draw out of this and, uh, in difficult times. And it says, that's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. This is where we're at in the world that we're living in. Creation is, is calling out. Creation is groaning. And then the sense and the tension is building on earth. And it says, all around we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout this world are simply birth pangs. Uh, but it's not only around us, it's within us. It's that inward calling. It's that inward, man, God, there's got to be something else. That you can just feel it building, the anticipation on the inside. The Spirit of God is arousing us within we're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Um, it says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, I love this, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I don't even know what to say to God. It doesn't matter. We, we can just simply come to Him. He says, He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition, and He keeps us present before God, he's, he's referring to Jesus here. He knows exactly what's happening in your life. And he keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Why? Because Jesus is on our side. Why? Because when God sees you, he sees his son, Jesus. When we put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus, that's what it's all about. That's the, the transition that takes place. That's why we're created new. Why? Because it's new life. Because when God, I mean, imagine that. When God sees you, he sees his son. Now, I've never been pregnant. <laughs> um, just throw that out there. So some of this I can't relate to. A lot of it I can't relate to. But I've been around women who are pregnant. And uh, the whole journey, um, you know, it's joyful expectancy at the beginning. And about eight and a half months, it's, when is this thing getting out of me, right? Am I, am I right? Am I, um, it's it's uh, one of those things. But you wouldn't trade your child for anything, I mean, right, you, you've, the, the pain, the, the everything, I mean, husbands you've gone through, you've, your side of the story too, um, you wouldn't trade your child for anything, the all that you've gone through. Like, you know what's going to happen, you know the risk that you take, you know everything that's going on, but yet you still take it, and you still procreate. So it's one of those, it's the same in, in life, it's, it's we know what's going to happen, I mean, we can flip to the back of the Bible, and we know what's going to take place in life. 
We, we know, uh, I mean, Revelation says it's just going to get worse. So we know, but it's still the step that we take. The, the, you know, I'm still going to be generous. I'm still going to be hopeful. I'm still going to step out in faith and know that God is going to meet and His Word's not going to return void. I'm still going to take the risk and see the dream fulfilled that's going to become the tree of life. So while I'm here, I'm going to make a difference. It, it's one of those things because it's so much bigger than what's inside of us. And I love it. All we have to do is simply show up, like we talked about several weeks ago. It's what's inside of us that's, that's changing us. It's what's inside of us that's taking us further. Why? We're called to be generous in our hope. So real quick, we have seven things I believe we can take away from today. Seven, that's right. Seven things. I have seven points. Um, so where, where do we find ourselves in the midst of this? Um, so we walk out of the door, we're all changed people. Number one, we have to be persuaded of God's love for us. We have to know that God loves us. Um, I mean, it's, it's a love that's never ending. It's a love that meets us where we're at. It's a love that goes through everything. We, we have to know that no matter what we face, no matter where we go, that God's love is unwavering, that nothing can separate us. Look to your neighbor and say, nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. We have to be persuaded of God's love. Number two, we have to know that in our weakness, we have the help of God. I mean, Scripture just told us, even if you don't know what to pray, He's praying on your behalf. In the midst of our weakness, we have to know we have the help of God. Rather than jumping to conclusions or, or texting our friends or, or finding out exactly what's going on in our weak moments and trying to find someone to justify our feelings of where we're at, what if we turn to God first and know that, man, even in our weakest moments, we have to know we have the help of God. So number one, we have to be persuaded of God's love for us. We have to know that God loves us. Number two is know that in our weakness, we have the help of God Number three, focus not on the bad, but in the fact that God is at work. We have to know that God is at work. Our message is contrary to anything you're going to hear on TV. We, we have to know that God is at work. If you don't believe me, turn, turn your TV off this week. You know, turn it off Fox, turn it off CNN, whatever it may be, whatever news outlet you're listening to or pumping yourself with. Because we have to know that to, to not focus on the bad, but once again, in the fact that God is at work. <laughs> and we're going to read the book of Revelations. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but, so number one, be persuaded of God's love. Be, number two, know that in our weakness we have the help of God. Number three, focus not on the bad, but in the fact that God is at work. Number four is pray. I mean, we have, we have to pray. Pray is, is processing with God. Pray, I mean, I pray about everything. Uh, it's just turned into a conversation. It's, uh, you know, um, they, they say what, to, to have sanity, the, the best way to have sanity in life is to mumble to yourself. <laughs> um, I mean, I pull into a parking lot, I, I, I literally, I pray, God, I pull into a parking lot, God, I pray I have a good parking spot. <laughs> God, I pray that I make it to the door. God, I uh, walk into the store. I mean, I literally, I pray about everything. 
Um, it's gotten, and it's a natural reaction. I've gotten to a point where if I see sirens, it just happens. I pray. If I hear them, I pray. I pray for those in, in need. I pray for those going to work. I, whatever. It, it's, it's amazing how our life just begins to simply change when we just pray. Um, I mean, you walk in and say, God, I, I really want these boots, and you know what my budget is right now, and I pray that they're on sale, and they were on sale. I walked in, I said, praise, thank you, Jesus, we got some boots. <laughs> um, pray about everything, and it's amazing how you'll see God at work. It sounds so simple, and it sounds so um, mundane, but I mean, it's the perfect example. Why are you so excited that you just bought a pair of boots? Let me tell you why I'm so excited. I just bought a pair of boots. It's the little things that happen in life, how we can begin to engage people. Why? Because we're generous with our hope. We're generous. We're not mundane people just going through the motions, but we're excited. We're joyful that when we walk into the room that we can change the room, and it's just what's inside of us. So know that God loves you. Know that in our weakness we have the help of God. Focus not on the bad, but in the fact that God is working. Pray. And then number five is... Keep loving and doing good anyway. Keep doing it anyway. Keep loving and doing good anyway. It doesn't matter. Your evil is designed to stop goodness from coming forth. Keep loving and doing good. That coworker. Let's <laughs> say <like>, that spouse. <laughs> Keep loving and doing good anyway. Number six, maintain a heart that repeatedly forgives. I mean, we can't build up bitterness. We can't build up things in our lives. It, it, it will eat you alive. Some of you know that. Some of you are walking through. Some of you, it, 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 you take it with you the rest of your life. You know, uh, it's the, the consequences of being bitter. And number seven, trust in God's stability even in unstable times. Even when things don't seem to add up, once again, trust in God. So know that God loves you. Know that in our weakness we have the help of God. Focus not on the bad, but in the fact God is at work. Pray, keep loving and doing good anyways. Maintain a heart that repeatedly forgives. And trust God's stability, even in unstable times. It's one of those things, it's, it's what's, what's your first reaction? That usually tells a lot about someone. I mean, when you, when the news comes across the TV of something tragic happened, is it, gosh, here we go again? Or do we actually believe that in the midst of it all, God is still at work? That God is still moving? That God is still changing lives? We have to know that God is still good. Jonathan, if you would come. I love in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, I just simply love what it says. It says, be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus. And he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything, on course to the end of time. Oh, yes.
Oh, yes. Be generous in everything, in everything that we speak, and and, and whatever we go around. Why? Not so that it's anything about us, but God simply gets all the glory. Verse 12, it says, Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. (laughs) We need to put that in our car. We need to put that on our bathroom mirror, on our refrigerator, on your coworker's desk, uh, (laughs) write it on your kid's backpack when they're going out the door. When life gets difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God is not at work. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. Hello. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. I was talking with a friend yesterday and, and the, just talking about life and, and how we end up and, and the journey that it's on and the good and the bad that happens. And man, sometimes you just have to stop and ask yourself hard questions. You know, it, it, and you have to process and you have to think and man, you have to dig deep and why do I think the way I do and why do I feel the way I do and, and we both kind of stopped in the conversation and you said, it's like, you know, it's not easy but at least we arrived to the point where we can come to the conclusion that we have the opportunity to ask the questions because some people never get that opportunity we, we have to arrive at the opportunity that some people never experience this some people n- never realize that God is at work. That God is still doing what He's doing. So we have to have peace in that. We have to know that. We have to be generous in all that we do. In verse 19, I absolutely love this one. So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride. It doesn't say stop. It doesn't say sit on the ground. It doesn't say have a pity party. It says keep moving. Take it in stride. Stride as you're moving. It's the pace that you're going at. Take it in stride. Trust Him. He knows what He's doing. And He'll keep on doing it. Oh, that's so good. Man, we can just rest in that, right? God knows exactly what He's doing. I can put all my hope in that. It's the structure that I need in my life to, to provide me with the opportunity of faith. Why? Faith, once again, was what? A complete trust or confidence. Hope is the feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So our hope is, I can know what He's doing and He's going to keep on doing it. That's the structure that I need. Once again, I can put all of my faith and trust that it's going to happen. It says it just before that. 